Today on Simple Truths, Pastor Xavier Reese teaches that trusting Christ leads to strength and peace. The solution for your life and mine is always the same, to trust Jesus and His Word to change my heart by His love and to strengthen me, to receive His peace, which is distinct from the world's peace. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So it's a different peace. It's the peace that passes all understandings, we'll see. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Faith, hope, and love. These are three words Jesus gives believers to comfort and encourage. And today, Pastor Xavier expounds on the blessed assurance Jesus gives the disciples in the book of John to reveal that faith which results in life eternal is never apart from the Son. Let's join him now as we seek to understand today's simple truth. John 14, verse 1 through 6, and I've entitled the message, Jesus, the Heart Specialist. Um, Judas Iscariot has just left the upper room after rejecting the ongoing attempts of Jesus to turn him from his plot to betray him. You find this in chapter 13, verse 31. Uh, Jesus washed the feet of Judas, John 13, 5. Jesus sat him in the place of honor and gave him the bread of honor, 13.26. And Jesus pointed him out at dinner in such a way that no one knew who he was, 13.28 and 29. Look at all that Jesus did in his attempt to turn Judas Iscariot because he loved him. The last attempt was when he came to betray him and he says, do you betray the Son of Man? with a kiss, his final appeal of love. He rejected them all. Jesus has just declared that he is leaving and the disciples cannot come with him. But he commands them to love one another as a distinguishing mark of the church and the Christian. 13, 34, and 35. Peter, unable to contain himself, asked the Lord why he could not follow right then and there. And Jesus says that he would afterwards, but that wasn't sufficient for Peter. And so he declared his love. I would die for you, Lord, he says, Peter, you're going to deny me. This is the setting for our study. And the context of our text is the comfort of Jesus, which he provides for his disciples in view of their perplexed, uneasy, and fearful hearts. Now, have you ever come to John 14, 1 with that thought in mind? No, because we all start at chapter division, huh? What a difference context makes. Jesus comforts the hearts of the disciples by three proclamations in John 14, 1 through 6. Let me read it for you, and I'll give them to you. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. And how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus comforts the heart of the disciples by three proclamations. First, the proclamation of love, verse 1 and 2. Secondly, the proclamation of hope, verse 3 and 4. And thirdly, the proclamation of faith, verse 5 through 6. Let's look at the proclamation of love. It stands at the head. Notice first in verse 1, Jesus points his finger to the problem, their heart. The word heart is a key word in the New Testament, appearing 160 times. Overall, all the New Testament, I think 300 and some times. Now, the word never, never is used of the physical heart that pumps our blood through our body in the New Testament. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, two, three times it is referred to the physical heart in the Old Testament. But all the other times, all the other hundreds of times, it is used in a different way. The word is used as the center of all physical and spiritual life of man, being body, soul, and spirit. The body is the instrument by which God allows us to communicate ourselves, to manifest ourselves. The soul or mind involves our intellect, our emotions, and our will. The place of understanding, the faculty of seed of the intelligence, and where the exercise of the will is revealed. The word points to inner reality and character. The Bible says, know God and know him with all your heart. Love him with all your heart. Genesis says the heart of man was evil continually. The heart of man is deceitful, desperately wicked. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, Matthew 12, 34. Out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, fornications, adultery, so on and so forth, Matthew 15, 19. That's how the heart is used in the New Testament and throughout the Old Testament, except for maybe those two or three times. Now, notice the imperative command is literal. Stop being troubled in your heart. What can we uh, understand by that? They were scared. You remember the old Timothys? Fear not. Be strong. Be courageous. It implies that men are fearful often. We would want to let people think that we sail through life and we're never afraid. But if you've lived long enough, you know that man's a liar. <laughs> life is very scary. The word trouble means agitate, to cause the inward commotion, to take away the calmness of mind. It is the very same word that is used for Jesus back in Lazarus' uh, uh, account of his death in 1133 and also 1227 and uh, 1321. He can identify with us. They had just been told by Jesus that he was leaving after three and a half years instead of going to Jerusalem to reign. They, he threw a curb in their plans. Has God ever thrown a curb in your plan? <laughs> But, 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 he says what? <laughs> they could not go with him, yet they had left all. They had just been rebuked by his example by washing feet, revealing that there was not one servant among them. Peter has just been told he's going to deny him three times, before the cock crows three times. Now do you understand the scenario? Their whole world has just 
tumble down. So Jesus goes to the heart. Always. Always to the heart. We go everywhere else except the heart. And so here now, Jesus points out the solution to the problem. They were to believe in God, the Father. Now, the proclamation appears in the indicative, meaning it was a fact. In other words, he's saying, you believe in God, that's a fact. It appears right here in the New King James in the indicative. Some believe it should be in the imperative command. In other words, believe in God. There's a difference. If the indicative as we have it here, is correct, then Jesus is affirming their trust in the Father throughout their lives for comfort and strength. Not only were they to believe in God, the Father, but he says they were to believe also in Jesus. Believe also in me. The imperative command here to trust in Jesus stands in comparison, telling them that as they have trusted the Father by faith, without seeing him, so they were to trust Jesus now as he was leaving. Do you get it? You've always trusted in God without seeing him. Now I'm not going to be around. You have to trust me the same way. I am the Father I want. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus was God himself. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and God was the Word. I am the Father I want. Two distinct persons. One God. Notice thirdly in verse 2 that Jesus points out his plan. The facts of the plan was that there were many mansions in his father's house. He has told them that he is leaving and that they could not come. Chapter 13, verse 33. He now tells them there were many places to dwell in. The word mansion means a staying, abiding, dwelling, to make one's abode. The word appears only two times in the New Testament. This is the first. The second one is found in verse 23. Let me read it. Jesus answered and said to them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home. That's the word, with him. The only other place is found in the New Testament. Right here. It's used metaphorically. Your body and mind are the temple of the Trinity. Some have attempted to declare that these mansions are speaking of our bodies when we die. But the context does not allow it, as we will see in the next verse. The facts of the plan are true, not a lie, he says. If it were not so, I would have told you, Jesus said. For he is seeking to what? Comfort them with the truth, not lies. Your child is afraid, middle of the night, calls you. You walk in there, and you want to comfort him. You say, I love you. Uh, Mom's here. Dad's here. It's okay. The Lord Jesus was going to prepare a place for them. They were in view of the Father's plan, not his destruction. So often, fear comes to our heart because we think God's after us. We think God's going to destroy us. Oh, if God does, I'm not going to do it because he'll send me to Africa. Send you to Africa. You, the mentality of Christians is God's going to look for the worst thing in the world, and he's going to make them do it. And sometimes even some preachers say, you know, I in the world, and you know, until I just gave up, and then God sent me, and I was willing to go, and, and this and that. Oh, shut up. Like if God is looking for the worst thing to give to you, 
He's looking for the best thing to give to you. People that share like that, I doubt if they're even called. They probably call themselves. They were in the focus of his mission, but they don't know it. You ever bring your kid to the nursery? You're bringing him for his good, but he thinks you're abandoning him. That's a good picture. Didn't think about that. And we start freaking out, running all around. What do you mean? Where are you? They say the world is round, and yet I often think it's square. So many little hurts we get from corners here and there. But there's one truth in life I've found while journeying east and west. The only folks we really wound are those we love the best. We flatter those we scarcely know. We place and please the fleeing guest and deal full many a thoughtless blows to those we love the best. Thank God Jesus isn't like that. Thank God he's different than us. The person who really loves you is going to help you. And if he's going to help you, he will always deal with the condition of your heart, not the condition of your life. Never forget that. He's always going to deal with the condition of your heart, not the condition of your life. We make a grave mistake when we try to help people based on the condition of their life instead of the condition of their heart. And we get the Messiah complex. And we mess things up. Who can say I have made my heart clean? I am pure from sin, Proverbs 20, verse 9 says. Anybody care to lift their hand up this morning? The solution for your life and mine is always the same. To trust Jesus and his word to change my heart by his love and to strengthen me. Always. To receive his peace, which is distinct from the world's peace. Not based on absence of trouble or difficulties. Not based on behavioral modification, psychology, or drugs or alcohol. Look what he says in chapter 14 here, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So it's a different peace. It's the peace that passes all understandings, we'll see. The peace of the world is very, very temporal, right? Take some drugs, take some alcohol, tranquilizers. Very temporal. So you get rid of your wife, your husband, you get a new one. Seeming peace, relief, but then it's worse next time. You know why? Because you're the problem, not your mate. Not that they're not the problem, but you carry the problem with you. You're half of the problem. And maybe the bulk of it. To experience the peace of God, the surpass understanding, is to guard my heart and mind through Jesus by making my request to Him and my supplication with thanksgiving that I may not experience anxiety, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Oh, how many things we sacrifice because we don't take everything to God in prayer. And we do it, we think, we cleverly devise, we do all kinds of things, and, and we try to take control, and then after all is said and done, we've exhausted every effort, and then we say, well, we might as well pray, nothing else left to do. No, it should be the very first. And the older I'm getting, the more I'm learning. That's the very first thing to do and rest in God. Now, this, is, this peace is distinct from the peace that we receive at justification. That's the peace with God when you're forgiven. This is the peace of God for life and situations. The thing we always have to keep in mind is that Jesus has a plan for our lives because he loves us. Keep that in mind. This is the plan. First, to make you into his image. 
to make you more like him. Romans 8, 29, you're predestined to be conformed to his image. You are being transformed from day to day, from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Romans 8, 29, predestined to be conformed to his image. Secondly, to lead you through the race of life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Remember what he says there? We also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily besets us and snares us, and let us run endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of God on the throne of God. Looking to him. So to conform us, to lead us, and third of all, to use us to reach others. You're not an end in yourself. If you've been saved and now you, you don't reach out to others, shame on you. Listen to the proverb. The fruit of righteousness is the tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Proverbs 11.30. He who wins souls is wise. Are you wise or a fool? If you don't reach out to others, you're a fool. You're not wise. It's just that simple. This is the proclamation of love. These guys are freaking out. They're afraid. Then he moves to the proclamation of hope. Verse 3 and 4. Notice first, in verse 3, Jesus gives them a promise. The Lord's promise was based on his going. The word if. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back to receive to myself. The word if does not imply doubt, but certainty based on the previous verse. The reason for his going was to prepare what? A place for them. It wasn't for himself. It was for them, but they didn't understand it. The Lord promised that as he was going, he would what? Don't miss it. He was also going to come again. Now, this would cause them to gain some stability in their confusion. They're freaked out. He's trying to comfort them. He brings them back in. I'm coming again. What do you tell your kid? The nursery. Mommy's going to be right back, right back. And it works sometimes. Okay. It composes them for a little bit, huh? Then you hand them over and ah! And you hear them down the hall. You don't turn around. You just keep going. <laughs> this would allow them to listen to what else he had to say. It stabilizes us. Notice, secondly, still in verse 3, Jesus gives them the purpose of his returning. Let me first tell you what it doesn't mean. He says, I will come back to receive you to myself. Let me first tell you what it doesn't mean. First, some have thought, taught that it refers to the second coming of Christ at the end of the tribulation period. But at that time, Jesus comes back to destroy those in the valley of Armageddon and to judge the nations. So it's wrong. This is not what it's teaching. Secondly, some have interpreted this as his coming to them after he arose from the dead. But I believe it is also wrong because it's out of context. He says, I will receive you unto myself. It doesn't teach after the resurrection. It doesn't mean that. Now let me tell you what it does mean. The promise refers to the rapture or the removal of the church from the earth prior to the seven years of tribulation and great tribulation. 
You say, where do you get that X? Follow my train of thought here. And remember the context. Luke tells the Christians to watch and pray that they be worthy to escape all the things that will come upon the world and to stand before the Son of Man in Luke 21, 36. He's the only one that tells us to watch and pray and to be worthy to escape. Matthew doesn't do it because he's speaking to the Jew. The Jew will go through the tribulation. Tribulation is for the Jewish nation. Mark speaks to the Roman. John speaks to the church. So he just gives the promise to the church. I'll come back and receive it to myself. Paul tells the Romans and the Thessalonians that God has not appointed us to wrath, but to salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.9, 1 Thessalonians 5.9. And then John the Beloved tells the church of Philadelphia in the book of Revelations 3.10 that Jesus would keep her from the hour of trials that will come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. The word is earth dwellers. Let me ask you a question. Are you an earth dweller? Not me. I'm a pilgrim. I'm a sojourner. I'm a heavenly citizen. It's worldwide testing. What? Tribulation. He says, I will keep you from the hour. That's a promise. Paul tells the Thessalonians that they were not to worry about their dead loved ones as if they would miss the coming of the Lord. For we who remain alive till the Lord's coming will by no means precede those who have died. Why? It's hard to beat someone who was left before you. My dad died a year and a half ago. I can't beat him to heaven. He's there. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, then we who are alive and will be caught up together with the dead loved ones in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. And he finishes by saying this, comfort one another with these words. And you get that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 down to 18. Now, I emphasize the word caught up there in Thessalonians. Why? Because the word caught up is the word harpasso in the Greek. Of the 13 times it appears in the New Testament, the meaning is always of a sudden jolting removal consistently. You've heard the word rapture, right? People say, you never find the word rapture in the Bible. That's right. You find it in the Latin Vulgate, rapiri. The counterpart of the word rapiri in Latin to the Greek is right here, harpasso. It means the same thing. Now, of the 13 times that it appears in the New Testament, and this cannot be coincidence, every time it appears, you have a violent seizing of something violently. And from one geographical location to another. Remember Paul said, I was caught up to the third heaven, harpasso, 2 Corinthians 12, 2, from earth to heaven. Remember the sower went to sow seed, Matthew 13, 19, and some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air, Satan came by and harpasso, took him from the earth to the air. How interesting. Every time the word appears, that's exactly the connotation. He says, we will be caught up, harpasod. I will come back to receive you to myself. The promise is to receive us to himself. The second coming is to set up the kingdom and to fight the battle of Armageddon. The rapture is to receive the church to himself, a bride without spot, wrinkle, any such thing by the wash of the water, by the word. You must make the distinction between the rapture, which is 1 Thessalonians, Jesus coming back for his church and the second coming to set up the kingdom and judgment as he, as he comes back with his church in 2 Thessalonians. For his church, 1 Thessalonians, with his church, 2 Thessalonians. So here he's promising 
them that he's going to come and remove his bride. That's what it means. Pastor Xavier Reese drawing today's edition of Simple Truths to a close with a glimpse of the Creator's expression of faith, hope, and love to come for the church, His Bride. Now, you may be interested to know that today's presentation can be heard again anytime by way of the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And there's still much more to come of today's in-depth study right here next time as well. But if you prefer your own personal copy on CD, we can make one available for only $4 upon request. The title to ask for is Jesus the Heart Specialist. When you write to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And that title, once again, is Jesus the Heart Specialist. And when you contact us, thanks for letting us know the call letters of the station you're listening to. That information is very valuable to us, and we appreciate your help very much. A God of wonders, creator of a universe so vast we can't comprehend it. But yet he offers only one way unto salvation. More on this simple truth with Pastor Xavier Reese next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com Music